0: Can you hear me? (laughs) All right. Let's pray again, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come now to your blessed word. This is the very word of God. So we pray that we might behold wondrous things out of your word this morning. All to the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 15. And before you wonder to yourself, verse 5 through 15 is a pretty ambitious project for a Sunday morning message. Uh, I'm only going to focus on two verses. (laughs) But the word is good, and we've got to look at the word in context. Amen? Uh, so uh, let me read uh, the scripture for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll give the word this morning. It's in Matthew 6, 5 through 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the third message in a series of messages about the Lord's Prayer I've been preaching as I've had opportunity uh, to go through this prayer. Uh, And uh, this is a model prayer. I've already preached two messages, like I say, and this is the third message in the series. Um, Jesus gave us a model prayer. Jesus was saying that when you pray, here are the things you should pray for, and here's how you should pray for them. And I have already mentioned in other messages, I have already mentioned that we are to pray to our Heavenly Father, uh, that his name would be hallowed. That is, that he himself would be worshipped and held in high regard that the people of this earth would reverence and respect the name of the living God. I also spoke about the kingdom of God. I pointed out that the kingdom of God dwells in believers' hearts right now. So there is a sense in which the kingdom has already come, but we don't see humankind submitting to the will of God presently. We are to pray that the kingdom of God would engulf the entire world We are to pray that the ultimate realization of the redemption of this earth would be fulfilled. We are to pray that the day will come when God's kingdom so permeates this earth that there is not one vestige of rebellion left, and we will truly see God, truly see God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we pray This is we want His will to be done and for His kingdom to permeate uh, this world. And I've already spoken about those things in times past. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now we will pick up on verse 11. It's my intention this morning to do verse 11 and 12. So we will pick up uh, this, these series of messages. Verse 11, Matthew 6:11, Give us this day our daily bread. Now, this is a simple prayer that asks God to provide the food that we need. It's as simple as that. Uh, we are not to be presumptuous, but rather we should acknowledge that our most basic necessities Come from the hand of God. Is that right? Amen. And God has given us wonderful promises of provision in his word, has he not? Just to name a few. This may take a while. Luke 12, 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse or barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Psalm thirty four ten. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 145, 15 and 16, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. James 1, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to changing. And then of course let's not leave out psalm 23 1 the lord is my shepherd i shall not want this is the way that we pray and we say the lord is my shepherd i shall not lack i shall not lack i shall not want for anything he's my shepherd he loves me he's going to provide he's giving me my daily bread Uh, Philippians four nineteen, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Matthew six thirty three, but seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Some have said uh, that uh, give us this day our daily bread has to do with some a deeper meaning than just praying for food. I mean, after all, in such a profound, majestic prayer as the Lord's Prayer, there's, there, is, uh, there has to be more here than uh, a petition just for basic necessities. Uh, maybe the bread means communion, uh, or the Lord himself, or perhaps it means the Word of God. Matthew six eleven. Give us this day our daily bread. I checked it out in the the Blue Bible commentary. When we pray, uh, Give us this day our daily bread, it means our daily sustenance, the basic necessities of what we need. And quoting from the Blue Bible commentary, when Jesus spoke of bread, he meant real bread, as in the sense of daily provisions. Early theologians allegorized this because they couldn't imagine Jesus speaking about an everyday thing like bread in such a majestic prayer like the Lord's Prayer. So they thought bread referred, as I mentioned, to communion, uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, Some have thought that it referred to Jesus himself as the bread of life. Others have thought that it speaks of the word of God as our daily bread. Uh, These interpretations overlook uh, God's interest in our physical needs. Uh, that we all have. Uh, We are not just merely spiritual beings. God made us to be multifaceted, uh, multifaceted beings when he created us. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are told in Scripture that in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That's Philippians four six. And might I say, everything means everything, everything, including the basic necessities of life. So we see uh, how our Lord talk, talks about those basic necessities and. Uh, how we're not to give any anxious thought about them. He's going to provide them. Uh, We look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 33, where the scripture says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And our heavenly father knows that we have physical needs. Philippians 4.19 And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Every day... This prayer says, every day this prayer says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. This prayer acknowledges our dependence on God every single day for our most basic needs. It has a sense of one day at a time. When we see that God has uh, provided just enough food for our nourishment, This day, we should be very thankful. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 8, But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. So we are to pray for our needs. Uh, Not too little, uh, not too much. Just what we need. Uh, Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9 says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise... I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. We should take note that our needs are different than our greeds. Is that right? You know, we listen to prayer requests a lot, (laughs) you know. And I don't give any judgment. We pray about everything. So I don't want to have you misunderstand me that. But I will say even for myself, you know, you say, you know, when you point the finger this way, how many, point, how many fingers are going back? You know, I get that all the time, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is for me, for us all. But we must recognize together, brothers and sisters, our needs are a lot different than our greeds, you know. A lot different. And James 4, three says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Just it on your passions. Uh, Hebrews 13.5 and 6. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is going to supply my need. He has promised. He is faithful to his word. Now, to be content with what we have does not mean we should not try to improve our lot in life. Uh, There's no virtue or nobility in taking a vow of poverty. I, I don't believe God wants us to do that. And there is nothing wrong with obtaining wealth. There is nothing inherently sinful about being rich. The Bible records rich men who were approved by God. For example, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Job, Solomon, Boaz, David, and Joseph of Arimathea. As a matter of fact, much good for the sake of the gospel can be done by those who have been blessed by God in this way with riches and wealth. 1 Timothy six, uh, seventeen through 19 says, And as for the rich in this present age... But we are cautioned not to set our hearts on them. We are not to turn God's abundant provision into an idol. It is not money that is evil. It is the love of money, the craving to get rich that causes people to fall away from God. First Timothy six, nine and 10. Says, uh, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Some people Pursue materialism as if that is what will bring them happiness and fulfillment. You know, that uh, uh, J.D. Rockefeller was asked what would make him happy, and he said, Another dollar. We've probably heard that quote before. What's going to make you happy, Mr. J.D. Rockefeller? Another dollar. Oh, Lord, spare us. Spare us of that. Praise God for the gift of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a treasure he is. (laughs) Not another dollar. Give me more Jesus. Give me more Jesus. Amen? You know, uh, 1 Timothy 6.5 speaks of those who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Uh, Such are the false teachers of the prosperity gospel. These false prophets... Appeal to the base nature of man as they misquote and misapply scripture. They entice the very selfish, greedy nature of man in the name of God, even as they promote the worship of a false God. And the false God that they're promoting is the love of money and riches. That's the false God. This is not the gospel, the prosperity gospel. This is a false gospel. Not, isn't that the gospel of Jesus Christ? Going to the cross, suffered the wrath of God, died for our sins, shed his blood that we might be right with a holy God that we have offended if we come to Christ, humble ourselves, repent of sin, and follow him. That's the gospel. What's riches and, you know, and all this seed faith stuff? <laughs> you know, send in your money. You know, I had a guy... He knew I was a Christian. I used, to work, uh, I used to work in the post office. And I'm sorting my letters And He knew I was a Christian. Uh, he, he said, you know, and these, these uh, hucksters are on TV. And, you know, he's identifying me, a Christian, with these false prophets that are preaching the prosperity gospel. They would yell across the workroom floor so that I could hear. He goes, oh, send in your money. Hey, you know, send in your... And, he, you know, he knew I was listening. It was making a mockery of the Christ that I represented in that post office because he identified me with this false gospel. Well, brothers and sisters, we are not identified with this. We're identified with salvation through Jesus and through him alone, that's it, you know? Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's another gospel. So, anyway, uh, uh, they say this is your best life now. Have you heard that? Oh, it's so appealing. Oh, this is your best life now as they preach earthly gain. But Jesus said, what will a prophet a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? It's in Matthew sixteen twenty-six. These prosperity preachers seek the things that are below. But the Bible says to seek the things that are above, Colossians 3, 1. These charlatans tell unstable souls to set their minds on earthly gain. But the scripture says, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. Colossians 3.2. 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 7. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's where great gain is. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. And so we are content to live a godly life as we ask of the Lord only what is needed for each day. But what do we find with the Lord? What do we find when we ask him to provide for our needs? He pours it out. He pours it on. Uh, He opens up the storehouses of heaven. What a wonderful savior he is. He provides. We are such a blessed people. Uh, And and that's okay. And that's okay. Uh, The Apostle Paul was well-supplied and received more than enough from those who supported him. That's Philippians 4.18. There is nothing wrong with having a lot if those resources are used for the furtherance of the gospel. As Paul served the Lord, uh, sometimes he had plenty uh, with great abundance and sometimes he, he was hungry and in need. But whether he had much or little, he found contentment in Christ and strength to serve Him. Philippians 4, 11-13 says, not that I am speaking of being in need. This is the Apostle Paul. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty, And hunger Abundance and need I can do all things through Christ Who strengthens me Our Father in heaven Hallowed be your name Your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day Our daily bread And now we will look At verse 12 The next passage Forgive us our debts As we also have forgiven our debtors that's Matthew 6:12: "Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We have rebelled and sinned against a holy God who requires perfect righteousness. How could we ever obtain the perfection needed just to approach Him and come into His presence? God is merciful, but he is also just, so he must punish sin. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, Matthew five forty eight. The only person who lived a perfect sinless life is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the spotless lamb of God who alone is worthy to pay the debt of sin that we owe to God. Hebrews 9, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The, the blood that was offered up to God on our behalf ran through the veins of the sinless son of God, God poured out his infinite wrath on Jesus when he went to the cross as our substitute. Our beloved Savior purchased our salvation by paying the debt we owe to God for our sins. Uh, Just before Jesus died, he said, it is finished. There's a Greek word um, for that expression, it is finished. The Greek word is telestai, which means paid in full, paid in full. We have been redeemed. Our sins are paid for. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Who of us would dare to come into the presence of God without the cleansing blood of the Lamb of God? Who of us? We think of the perfections and the holiness of the living God, and we bring our wretchedness and, and our need of cleansing and sin before the living and holy one. We would not dare approach him without the blood of the lamb, our mediator, Jesus Christ. Praise his name. He gives us access to our heavenly father. And so we do have a precious, precious salvation. Do we not? We really do. Uh, you know, and, and then uh, Psalm 130, verse three and four says, if you, O Lord, O Lord, Should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. All of us who have repented of sin and received Jesus as Lord and Savior have been forgiven all of our sins, all of our past sins, all of our present sins, all of our future sins, all forgiven, Forever, God has forgiven our sins because the price for our salvation was was paid once and for all on the cross at Calvary. Hebrews 10.10, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 10.12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. We have been forgiven all at once. Well, we are not perfected all at once. Have you noticed? <laughs> have you noticed? You mean to tell me that you're not perfect? Are you forgiven? Are you on your way to heaven? Are you perfect yet? That's right. Okay, so we're, we're on the same page here. <laughs> but, but what a wonder it is. You know, that God would save sinners such as we, you know, and and, and paid such a price. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We press on to holiness. We encourage each other. Do not sin. Turn from sin. Walk in holiness. Walk before the Lord. Obey the Lord. Uh, That's what we uh, try to encourage each other to do. We press on. We go forward in holiness. We are sinners saved by the grace of God. And we still struggle with sin even after we are saved. When we sin, we confess it to God. That is, we agree with God that we have sinned as we continuously, daily receive his cleansing. We have been forgiven all our sins, past, present, and future, but as we confess, we restore our fellowship with God. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just for, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come to Christ in repentance and faith, we receive forgiveness, but then we discover that is, it is ongoing. Day by day, his cleansing continues as we confess our sins. We pray, Father, forgive us our sins. The Lord continuously cleanses us. If we could not rely on the Lord for his mercy and grace day after day, we would be tempted to give up and say, I can't do this. I know know someone uh, many years ago that uh, walked away from the Lord for a while. Uh, because he told me, he said, you know, I just can't do this. Uh, this, is a, this is a tough life, you know. And I, I looked at him, and I said, oh, you don't think you could do this, huh? He said, oh, I can't do this. I said, well, you know something? You're right. <laughs> you can't. And neither can I. We need the strength of the Lord. You know, we don't, we're not high-minded. We don't look down on ivory towers and others. You know, I'm there and you're not. And here I am and here, you know, you've got to come up. To, you know, we're all in the same boat and we struggle with sin and it's not easy. Uh, but we want to be holy. We want to be set apart for the Lord. Uh, and, and, and the Lord is our strength. I mean, we're kidding ourselves if we think we can do this without the strength of the Holy Spirit. Is that right? I mean, we can't rely on our flesh. Uh, you know, to be pleasing to the lord it 's the Holy Spirit, the power of god uh, that 's what causes it, but we don 't give up even though we 're not perfect. We want to strive uh, towards holiness continuously. I thank God that our relationship to God is not based on performance but rather on grace and mercy extended to us through the merits of jesus christ limitations three twenty two and twenty three the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every morning. Every day. Month after month. Year after year. His love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Now and forever. On and on and on and on. How how deep. Is the mercy of God. How wonderful and glorious is His grace. i going to read a, a passage of how God has forgiven us in Psalm 103, verse 8 through 12, where the scripture says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And we notice as we look at this psalm in 103, verse 10 in particular, I want to point this out to us. In verse 10, where it says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. That is how God deals with us. The question is, how do we deal with others? Namely, how do we deal with people who have sinned against us, people that have offended us? But when we pray this prayer in Matthew 6, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, we are asking and receiving forgiveness for offending God while at the same time not withholding forgiveness towards those who have offended us. Mark eleven twenty five 25, and whenever you stand praying, forgive for if you have anything against anyone so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. He has forgiven us. We are to forgive others. As a matter of fact, if you are an unforgiving person who holds grudges, you may still be out of Christ you may still be outside of Christ. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, the very chapter we're looking at here, verse 14 to 15. For if you forgive others, Jesus says, their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In, in other words, those who are truly saved, uh, those who have received Christ as Lord and Savior, those whose debt of sin has been paid by the blood of Christ, those people, they forgive others. This is what we do. We've been forgiven. So we forgive others. And if we don't forgive others, what are we to think? Have we been forgiven? Have we come to Christ? Have we repented of sin? Have we received his mercies? One would wonder, even according to the word. Ephesians 4.32, be be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And we see uh, God's perspective on this when Jesus told the parable of the unforgiving servant. And I'll be reading from Matthew eighteen. 21 through 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how, many, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when that same servant went out, He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported their master they reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had on you? And in danger, in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also, so also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's bow in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the the truth of your word. We praise you for the glory of your grace and the depth of sin in which you have forgiven us, Lord. Oh, that we would render that forgiveness to others, we pray. Work that in our hearts, Lord. Help us to do that. And we also acknowledge, Heavenly Father, our daily needs before you. And we know, and we're not presumptuous, Uh, These gifts are from you in great abundance. We receive them in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for how you provide for us every single day. It all comes from your hand, and we're just so thankful for you, Lord, how you love us, Lord, how you provide for us. So we just commit this word, uh, this message to you. We pray that you would bear fruit for your glory and the extension of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.